G'day, Darren Mitchell. Welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Jacob Hon, who is the co-founder and CEO of SalesDoc, a B2B sales agency based in the Netherlands. His organization uh, helps brands such as Google, Ysoft, and Microsoft, as well as a lot of other organizations, scale their sales departments, set the right KPIs for those sales departments, but also think about how do we best attract and retain top sales talent. It's a fantastic conversation. We delve into lots of different topics around selling, sales leadership, and how to attract talent, but also how to avoid five-figure hiring mistakes. It's a fantastic conversation. And so without further ado, let's get straight to the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and uh, this is actually the second attempt of this particular podcast because it's uh, it's a great honour to welcome Mr. Jacob Hon all the way from Prague. How are you, Jacob? I'm very well. How about you, Darren? Very well, thank you, my friend. And it's almost like testing one, two, three because <laughs> two weeks ago we tried to do this and. Uh, I, don't, I think the internet in Prague was having an off day because I think I was getting it every second or third word, and so he had to call it. So we are back. And touch wood, the internet's working beautifully. Yeah, or we can do the third round. <laughs> you know, the third one is the lucky one. Well, I remember a um, I remember years ago there was a there was a bloke that um wrote a book and he left his manuscript unfortunately in a taxi and couldn't recover it. So he said, oh, well, <laughs> that must have been a pretty crappy <laughs> book. So I better start again. So maybe it's happened for a reason. <laughs> so, so far, so good. So we've been talking a little bit before we press record, and so far the internet is holding up beautifully, and all the signals on Zoom, it's all it's all white. So that means it's excellent. <laughs> oh, so, it Absolutely. So, Jacob, um, just for the listeners' benefit, you are the co-founder and CEO of a company called SalesDoc, which is a B2B sales agency. So, um, And this being a sales leadership podcast, very much looking forward to this conversation because I know that uh, you build sales departments that deliver results and do almost sales as a service. So really interested in diving into what you do and what you're seeing in the industry from a sales and a sales leadership point of view. So before we jump into all the content, uh, and as we've already talked about, no idea what we're going to be asking or be talking about. So guys, if you listen to this podcast and you listen for a while, you know how we roll. This is like a fireside chat, and uh, we don't know in which direction it's going to go. However, Jacob, as we start, love to get a little bit of a sense for the listeners in terms of your background and what prompted you to say uh, start sales doc and what was happening in the industry at the time that said you know what there's a there's a niche in the marketplace that needs to be filled yeah that's we that's what we thought but then we had to twist it several times till we got where we are right now so yeah i got uh, sales was pretty much my first job uh which you which you get when 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 you were 18 and since then i was in it uh um 
And I went for several positions uh, working for my brother's company. Then I went for to sales uh, analytics in a bank. So I was creating reports. And then I went to the medical uh, to healthcare segment to sell medical devices, which was uh, very interesting. I had a great leader there who was uh, who was exceptional salesperson. Uh, so he was guiding me through how to become better, better. And I was realizing, yeah, so there's something you can learn about it. It's not just about... Uh, it's not just about uh, talking, uh, talking uh, during uh, during sales. There are some processes uh, and methodology. Then, uh, then I went for studies to Netherlands, and I wanted to get some job to finance my study. And I end up in the in startup in tech segment, okay. uh, fifty people. Uh, and since I had already some sales experience before that, I said, "Hey, like the way how it is led uh, the sales, it could be." It could be done better, and uh, so once I finished my studies uh, together with my co-founder, we we started together in Netherlands, and we went back to the Czech Republic and say, "Hey guys, uh, we can continue working for you. We'll work from Czech." At that moment, we're doing inside sales, so remote selling. Yeah, uh, and so it didn't really matter where we were with location and then we the first idea was how about if we offer that to multiple of the tech companies so and build in Czech Republic the competence center for sales so if you need to if you need to get outbound salesperson you can get it from us uh we uh we can do the uh we can provide you with higher quality than uh with your internal salespeople. and uh uh I have to say we did that very incorrectly <laughs> Because uh, the first ideas were okay, we can take whichever star. We're very bold, <laughs> naive at that time. <laughs> it's not happening anymore. So we're like, hey, we can take whichever startup, whichever product. We can take whichever person, teach them how to sell, and then uh, uh, we get the the business model was you pay just the fixed salary of the salesperson and all the and we take the commissions which were massive. Yeah, but then we started getting startups which didn't have product market fit, and we started getting unexperienced salespeople. And yeah. it, it takes time till you train them. <laughs> it doesn't happen within two months. It usually takes uh, within a year, two years till you get them onto uh, on the medium, like uh, mid level. Yeah. So that was a terrible, painful start. Uh, and then we started twisting it. And we ended up uh, being more into consultancy right now and uh, working as interim managers in the SaaS organizations. So if uh, usually the scenario is, hey, we have a sales team here of three, four people, or we don't have any sales team, and we would like to scale to or grow to another country, the sales team is underperforming, we don't have head of sales, or or we hired wrong head of sales and it didn't work. So we put there our guy. So rebuilding the sales team, uh, adjusting the strategy, Put them, uh, get them on the numbers, and once we get them on the numbers, start growing the team, and we found we find a replacement for us. Mm-hmm. Or, or in sales, look, uh, if there is a head of sales, and um, uh, as uh, as a sales team, usually we work with the teams between five to fifty people. Uh, and then, if you want to increase the sales performance, is about most very often it's about adjusting the sales process. Uh, changing the way how the sales is led yeah. and uh, Im- improving the sales skills of the salespeople and bringing the metal- methodology into the company so everybody has the same language if oppor- yeah. if there is opportunity if there's an economic buyer champion everybody knows what you're talking about 
Yeah, cool. And so when you when you first started out with the with the startup, um, what was the what was the problem that the organization had that you were fulfilling? Because you mentioned that it's evolved over time, and and you, you I think you mentioned that it wasn't the best model to begin with. So you've obviously evolved it over time. Was that because you didn't price it in the marketplace, or you ended up doing too much, or was it what was the what was the thing you experienced? Well, uh, for us, why it didn't fly at the beginning uh, was if you want to, if you do the sales outsourcing, this is very low margin business and yep. there is a high competition that everybody who can pick up the phone can do that and send out emails. Uh, we can talk about the quality for sure, but the, there's a lot of a lot of noise in that industry. And usually, and these projects have tendency to fail. Uh, in general, you will not ever get the success rate 80% on sales outsourcing projects because you can get the wrong people. You can get the, the customer can send you in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, the market can, can change at that moment. So it has high probability of failing. And usually you don't work for Microsoft or, you know, that there is a, there is a product which is validated. There is a customer uh, which uh, needs that product and you just need to get there. Uh, so you, you work with the with the smaller organizations, and actually, yeah, for us was learning if we want to do the sales outsourcing that actually it makes sense only for the big ones that you like for the Microsoft that they would outsource to two hundred salespeople, uh, and say hey take care of all the of all of all the sales in Europe below ten thousand euros will go to you. And you mm -hmm. take care of that market. We take yeah. care of the SMBs and enterprise. This is the core competence of, of us. Uh, so on that, you can build up the company. But uh, this is not the business where we want it to be. Uh, we don't have any network there. So for, for us, it would be starting from the scratch. And uh, we didn't build this uh, this organization. So that, mm -hmm. that's why we started pivoting. And also... Uh, a lot of our customers or potential customers were telling us, hey, we don't want to outsource from you. We want you to set it up in our organization. We don't want to have outsourced sales because, it, again, it is a core competence for us and for our investors. So yeah. we would like you to teach us how to do that. And so that's how we started uh, slowly pivoting into, into the consultancy and interim management. And is that is that where SalesDoc came from in terms of being that? Um... I guess for want of a better term, an insourced sales organization consultancy, mm -hmm. but teaching and help because I know you're part of the recruiting process as well, bringing in people. And I know that's quite an expensive yep. exercise if you don't get it right. So is that how sales doc actually evolved? Because there are organizations that said, hey, we need to grow. We don't necessarily have the internal capability yet, but can you help us start to build that sales capability yep. from the inside? And also start building sales process around that to support the the sales function. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We're right now as a sales doc, we're transforming in, into the group of uh, agencies. So we have one agency which does the implementation of technologies uh, for SaaS companies. So we implement Salesforce, Outreach, and everything you need as a tech stack. Then yep. sales doc is an interim sales consulting uh, and sales training. And the third one is talent acquisition. So if we get into the organization, we have a lot of resources to. Uh, to set up the to to give you the full service right now for the sales team to build yeah. it up, we can get we're able to source people. We know how to source people. We set up the processes, and the processes are afterwards reflected also in the tools or supported by the tools. Nice. 
Uh, and uh, you know, and for us, it's like in the same time we do we do a lot of projects at the same time. We run six sales departments in the same time, so we have uh, all the time the interims which uh, they run on our playbooks, and there is a they come back and we again look at the playbooks how we can make it better and better and better with every every single project. So that also gives us quite decent success rate when it comes to the project. Yeah. Uh, so what, what we execute with every project, we do that a little bit faster, shorten the time to set up the sales department, to hire the people. We try to create playbook on everything. For instance, recruitment. I think that was the last topic we discussed a lot, uh, which salespeople you should get into the organization because it is, <laughs> it is a quite expensive uh, hobby to hire the wrong salespeople. Well, it is, and and certainly, I'm, I'd be interested to know what the what your experience is in in the Netherlands, and because in um in Australia, there's organisations that for bringing us a salesperson in, so the recruitment process, then the onboarding process, and if they happen to not pass their probation, and some companies have three months of probation, some will have six months. If they don't, for whatever reason, pass the probation, a lot of organisations say, you know what, that's just the cost we have to have to absorb, and it could be anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars Australian, which is a huge amount of investment. But a lot of companies, and particularly the bigger companies, say, oh, that's just the cost of doing business. But if you think about a small medium enterprise, that's that's a bucket load of revenue that potentially is walking out the door, and you've got to start over again. So exactly. I'm interested in your in your take on the market over in the Netherlands because one I know one of the things that you do focus on is how to avoid these big hiring mistakes because we, we if we if we can do that then that's literally a positive impact directly to the bottom line absolutely absolutely and you know it's not that expensive to or not not expensive so not that complicated to fix it you just have to start thinking of it uh and start working on that because this the biggest cost in your sales department is the mishire, without any doubt, because that's about exactly spending on either internal recruitment or recruitment agency. You get somebody in house, you have to onboard the person, pay the salaries, and then if you fire the salesperson, uh, then you ruin your quota. If you're a head of sales, you're not able to achieve it anymore. Uh, if you fire half of your sales team, which you just recruited, uh, then if you look at the time frame, so it takes another three months to get somebody into the company, another three months to run uh, with the onboarding to get them up to the speed or four months, depending, or even more, mm. uh, then you just ruin the quota for that year. Uh, so it's not just about the direct cost, which you pay to the salesperson, to the recruitment agency, and to the internal cost, but it's also about the loss loss of valuation, which you get, especially in the VC-backed business. Yeah, uh, You burn, like while you're, Having this hobby with uh, hiring and firing, uh, there is a big chunk of money which is burned on the tech team, on the uh, customer uh, customer support, and on the rest of the organization. Yeah. So, so you can shorten your runway quite nicely. And so, how do how do we how do we do that? I know you you got expertise in this area, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume there'll be people listening to this podcast who are in different size of organizations and some might be responsible for onboarding and bringing in um, salespeople. And if they've been around for a while, they would have had an experience where, you know what, I brought on a couple of salespeople and it didn't work. So yeah. yes, I've been burnt. Yes. And I've got two hands in the air because I've experienced this myself because I thought 
you know what, this person seems to be a great performer. They've got the track record or, or so I think. They performed well in the interview and then they, when they come into the organisation, they're either not a cultural fit or their capabilities is nowhere near where um, they perceived yep. or, in, in, I guess, told us they were. So what are some things that leaders can be looking for and how do we avoid some of these mistakes? Yep. Okay. There are like multiple things uh, to discuss from different angles. Uh well, the first one, what I always say to the organizations, like look at the ones which you fired or didn't perform and what what did you miss? Why did why, why did you at the end of the release them? Look at the ones which you kept in the organizations and what mm. were the things, uh, the attributes that make them perform? Oh, this is, and you iterate that playbook all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, it's not perfect from uh, but with every more fire and higher you're smarter that's yeah. uh one of one of the important things and the other one is really stick to that afterwards so <laughs> if you set up into into your criteria hey i need to see that the guy or is achiever if i'm getting him into the into the outbound sales team or acquisition sales team it doesn't mean that he had to have a great career before, but I want to see somewhere in his life that he or she achieved something. Yeah. So it could be mathematics competition. It could be it could be like he's the fastest. He was the fastest sprinter in the at the university. There was yeah. track or, track record of that. And this is the guy, for instance, which you need or another another criterion which we have is um, does he have actual experience with outbound sales does he know the drill making 30 calls every day yeah uh, and if he doesn't then we don't hire because yeah. uh, for sure there could be some good ones uh which you miss by this one but it's a probability game so yes. i know if i stick to my criteria as my success is 70 80 percent if i don't stick to my criteria as my I, I might skip some talents but my success in general would be 30 yeah. So not to rely that much on, uh, yeah, it was a nice chat, a nice discussion. So let's hire. <laughs> so based on that, how what's your experience then in terms of um, people's, well, sales leaders or head of sales there, how clear are they, do you think, based on your experience on what that criteria is? And so is there is there something that they look at more than anything else to say, you know what, Jacob's got this fantastic background in, um, mathematics at university, right? So that's the number one criteria. Or is it sort of, I think this person, I get this feeling that this person might be a good fit, I'll give them a crack. Because what you talked about was building a playbook. And yeah. sometimes a playbook is going to come from past experience, both positive and not oh. so positive, that you can um, build on over time to hopefully increase the probabilities of getting better hires. And therefore, from a selling perspective, increased conversion rates and so forth. So is there anything anything specific that is is a standout around characteristics? Um well if I look at the once I'm talking about acquisition sales teams, pretty much uh, very often what I see is uh achiever, uh knows the outbound sales, smart person, the person I would like to go out to the pub afterwards at culture fit. If I yeah. and also still capable of working with technologies. Because some of the guys which are on the market for a longer time, uh, they don't like the CRMs that much and sales engagement platforms. And and the sales is very 
about tech right now nowadays yeah. a lot yeah. that, uh, that it like you don't have to use it but then uh, it's everybody if everybody is using it they have a competitive edge uh, uh, in comparison in comparison with you so these ones I would name there as a, which always stand out uh, when I talk to the leaders uh, the question is also how to find it out right yeah. <laughs> so uh, have the interview ready for that what we do always also is the role playing with the candidates uh, and we know that we're not looking for the senior and the performance during the role play wasn't good enough then we yeah. give them feedback and uh, run the role play in two days again yeah and uh, okay. we, we look at the delta did they improve so is the coachability there or not yeah yeah which is also obviously a very important, very important factor, especially in the growing organizations, because you want them to, uh, you want them to teach, uh, to learn new things. So you're saying then that there's a an interview process that is multiple interviews, and part of it is a role play where yep. we're going to see if you can. Well, if you didn't do that well this time, uh, in two days' time, we're going to do it again, and have you improved? Yep, exactly. Cool. Because yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, well, most, and I'm only talking from my experience, <laughs> my experience here and, and the experience over with other sales leaders, certainly in Australia, is they go through a, a headhunting organization or some sort of recruitment um, firm, and that recruitment firm provides a shortlist, and then the sales leader comes in or the head of sales comes in and has a bit of a conversation, asks a few questions and says, yep, I think this is is." A pretty good candidate or no it's not there's not really an evolutionary process where you're going to get them in four or five times to do some role plays in exactly. my experience so that, that in itself exactly. is different yeah and it depends on the leader like uh, we had a webinar two weeks ago uh with a steve from uh, who was running sales in miro miro the visual boards uh in europe and he managed to grow the the performance of the of, of his region from three million to thirty five million within two years, and wow. he switched from product led growth to outbound sales. That sixty percent of his pipeline was outbound. And if we if he hired the wrong sales team, and he would have to stay stay on the like not moving with the sales for six months, nine months, twelve months to rehire the sales team, mm. we would never have that podcast because yeah. or that, that that webinar because he wouldn't achieve that. Yeah. He would spend. He would. He would go from three to five because uh, he had the rotation within the team. Yeah, not from three to thirty. And, uh, and uh, that's also these guys who have the. If you're always talking to some uh, leader who, who had high, high, hyper growing organization, and that uh, it was managed by the like that actually the sales did that job. It was not. Uh, um, yeah, that they got out of sun so much of uh, so much of requests for their product. They always have a playbook, and uh, they always mention hey, we managed to get their get their great team into the organization, and we don't have any churn. Yeah, or nice. a, a lit a little bit. So, Jacob, you mentioned a couple of interesting things there, and one that sort of um, really piqued my interest was a thing called culture fit, and I think you mentioned. Would they would and I, I'm just paraphrasing here. Would they pass the pub test? So would would I go to a yeah, pub uh, after a after a call or after a conversation and have a beer with this particular person? It's a really interesting uh, characteristic because there are sales teams, and I've had sales teams where we've had really good sales people, but they simply were not a cultural fit, and yeah. they end up being 
at the top line, good performers because they're bringing in the numbers, but it's not sustainable sustainable in terms of the culture because they can end up being quite toxic. Um, exactly. And these are the worst to fire because you see if I fire the higher, highest performer, but they're not culture fit. And what what is the side effect? They decrease the performance of the team. If you have that's it. So. That's it. But that's why things like a sales playbook is such an important thing because you've got to be really, really clear on what the criteria is and the characteristics of the ideal salesperson, which means that as a sales leader, particularly in an organization that is wanting to grow really quickly, you've got to continue to communicate and communicate and communicate and making sure that we're setting the right expectations and uh, having a bit of patience because it will take time because it's almost like yeah. a short-term pain for the long-term gain. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I had a like, I had an interview with another another guy uh, from MessageBird, uh, also Dutch unicorn, a very inspirational leader, uh, Raman, uh, and it was telling me, hey, I had two strict criteria which I have uh, also for my sales team. The first one, as you said, uh, will I be able to go to the pub with this guy, yes or yeah. no? And uh, so, and the rest of the team. And the second one, I have strict uh, strictly no asshole policy so it's either <laughs> either zero or one it's not because very often i realize that also in our organization and at our clients you keep in the organizations guys hey they're a little bit weird uh, but not that much to fire them but then yeah. you spend then you spend hours and hours fixing the problems discussing he didn't mend this one and so so much problems which you bring into the organization Absolutely. So in in Australia, we we call it um, we call it the no dickhead policy, right? We don't have any yeah. dickheads here. So if you don't pass the pub test and if you don't pass the no dickheads policy, then sorry, you're not you're not going to be part of the team. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it should be. <laughs> and so with um with te- technology, you mentioned that a lot of um. And a lot of startups and VC organizations are heavily geared around technology right now. And and what are you seeing then in the marketplace now in terms of 2023 that are some of the biggest challenges that is, I mean, forcing SalesDoc and forcing you as part of SalesDoc to evolve and change? What are, is, Has there been any trends you've noticed that's, because I know you mentioned that your organization has had to evolve since those early days. What are some of the key challenges that you're faced with in relation to sales organizations right now in 2023? Yeah, uh, well, everybody is discussing how to do outbound right now in acquisition <laughs> teams. <laughs> it was on the discussion for the past five years, but it's still getting worse and worse. And uh, it's becoming more technological <laughs> than than ever before. You know, uh, yesterday I was talking again to to one guy. I said, hey, we, we have a tool where we rotate the emails that Google sent to Google, Microsoft sent to Microsoft. So we, our salesperson has eight email addresses. Uh, and so, so they, they can send higher volume and they do do the rotation of the email providers based on the recipient e- email provider. So that they increase, increase the chances of uh, getting into the inboxes and then having the reply rates. Uh, wow. <laughs> that, it hasn't been before. Five years ago, you didn't do this stuff, and the day you limit, okay, I can send only thirty emails from that from that inbox, and it is a challenge. Also, challenge on the copy. 
very soon you you will be outcompeted by by AI, and if you're outcompeted by AI, then you get as a sales leader or the recipient on the other side, you get not hundreds but thousands of uh, of emails getting into your inbox with some proposals. So yes. how do you prospect? How do you do the outbound? Uh, so, uh, so phone is uh, getting back uh, more and more important is being respected on the market as an influencer uh, on the LinkedIn that you, that you publish you create a network around you who listens to you uh, I've seen organization having great successes uh, they grew from 0 to 40 million within 4 years uh, by just attending conferences uh, okay. and making the enterprise sales their and being again visible in front of the customers that you yeah. go say hey i'm i'm around in your city how about having coffee you get for coffee and um, well then it's a little bit different than saying hey let's go for can we have a chat over the zoom for 30 minutes it's more like what do you help for what do you want from me but it's yeah. if you tell him let's go for a coffee and you know it might be at least you'll get a coffee <laughs> uh, or lunch uh, and the discussion is also more informal and uh, you get more of the information which you need, either what's happening in the organization or what's, what's happening in that particular city to, to whom you should reach out. Yeah, yeah. So so outbound is a is a challenging thing nowadays. Uh, not a thing, uh, and it's not that it doesn't work, it does. It has to be just done differently. Uh, and um, right now, and that's due to economic downturn, uh, in majority of the organization is how how to and everybody is facing longer sales cycles and yeah. lower conversion rates, which leads you back. You have to be just better in the sales. Uh, you have to. It's more. Uh, it's more important to be able to bring value and demonstrate value which you bring to the customers than before. You thought that you were doing uh, value based selling before. Actually, you were not. Is if your pipeline dropped a lot that uh, you can improve with uh, dollarization, uh, setting up the business cases. Mm. What is the cost of staying in the current situation? Why they shouldn't postpone it by six months or by 12 months? How you can be even better than before with managing the process, involving more of the stakeholders uh, Mm. into into the discussions. So that's uh, that's not another challenge nowadays. So with that, given that, uh, because you mentioned AI, you mentioned the, I guess a huge amount of competition and trying to get um, customers and potential customers share of, I guess, mind or share of attention for want of a better term. Because uh, email open rates continue to, to drop, down, drop down because everybody's sending email. And even, even me, I, I get emails every day from organizations either through my website or just, I don't know, through bots or whatever the case might be. And it's all about... how. And how many cold calls do you do you get every day? Uh, I get a few, but I let I let things go through to voicemail. So I uh, unless I've got some time and I want to have a bit of fun, I probably won't answer most of them unless I recognize the number. Actually, just before we got on this podcast, I had a call from the United States, and I know it's a I know it's a, a cold call from somewhere over the states trying to sell me a seminar. <laughs> so <laughs> I let that go to voicemail. So they haven't left a message, but it's a it's a challenge. Because um, I was going to, I was going to ask you then, based on the work that you guys do at SalesDoc and the B two B sales agency, in a highly competitive marketplace, do you find the, I guess, the cost to 
for want of a better term, the cost to serve in terms of an organization that wants to expand their sales force, but probably doesn't want to have the huge capital investment to build the infrastructure, to build all the people, to have all the employment costs. Is that where you think that you guys as an organization can help in relation to particularly the right size organization that wants a, I guess, a, a low entry to market or a fast, fast growth spurt? You mean that they would outsource the sales to us? Yeah. Yeah, not anymore. We, we were in that business, but the, right now we're more into, if you want to grow in, for instance, you're in Australia and say, I would like to grow in Europe. So what is, uh, we help you to set up the European team. We can take care of the European team. Uh, yeah. Say we, we give you the interim head of sales for Europe. We'll build it from scratch uh, and uh, we'll bring you the numbers. We see way more of success on our projects because we're closer to the customer with that. In that particular marketplace. Got yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Got exactly. Because one of the things and, I know you're 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 pretty good at is is selling or sales at scales. Is sales at scale? Sales at scales. How to build a sales team, how to build a team that grows with your company. So yeah, is yeah. that that's that's what you're talking about then in terms of building being able to build it from scratch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and build it because you know if you have five salespeople you can manage it based on your gut feeling almost yeah. uh, it's not the most effective but uh you can you cannot do that with 30 40 people there has to be defined processes there has to be the sales cockpit the way and uh, sales sales pools how we, uh, sales management framework how you lead the organization what the leaders should talk with the uh how the leaders should lead their account executives, account managers, BDRs, and so on, and how the whole structure should look like. Mm. That's, uh, uh, again, when we saw the organization which grew too fast and they didn't set it up, uh, then then they ended up with 30, 40 salespeople, uh, but those salespeople performs as 15. If you had re- correctly set the sales process, it's, again, quite a bit of uh, expense. Yeah. <laughs> At the one moment, you don't mind it because you're growing, but then you see, hey, we're not growing, but we're still having more and more expenses on the sales and the sales becomes more uh, the cost of acquisition per lifetime versus lifetime value uh, will stop working for you. Is that, that And that's another reason why your sales playbook has to be really, really clear and really and thinking about what the KPIs are and what the key metrics are for performance. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's not going to be perfect, the sales playbook, if you do that for the first time, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's about start putting some, uh, start putting together something, get get a mentor who can help you out with that. And yeah, it's like the first sales team, you grow it from zero to 20 million, for instance, uh, within four years, five years. But uh, the second one, you do the same within two years because you just replicate the playbook. You know and... already how to play the team, uh, how to well... play the game. That's it. And you mentioned something really important before because you were talking about as part of the analysis, thinking about what you missed. So what were your mistakes? What didn't work? And so you can start to avoid those and start to analyze what did work. Because one of the things I've found really interesting with a lot of sales teams is they're very good at doing a forensic investigation on any losses they have to figure out why we lost, but they don't apply the same forensic investigation on the wins that they have to figure out why we won. Right, because there might uh, be absolute uh, gold within that that say, you know what, if we can pick one or two things out of that and leverage that, we can actually increase our conversion rates and maybe 
increase our our revenue per salesperson, right? Which goes directly to profitability. Absolutely, I agree with you one hundred percent. And <laughs> like, uh, and uh, yeah, and many of the sales organizations don't do loss or even the loss review, which is uh, which also opens up your mind a little bit and how to change the sales process and approach. Well, it does. It does. And look, sometimes it might be the sales process. Sometimes it might simply be a fact that our solution didn't fit the problem that the customer had, or we tried to somehow fit our solution into a perceived problem, but it just wasn't wasn't going to work. And and having the the courage to understand that and say, you know what, we're not going to be all things to all people. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is that happens a lot at the beginning with your organization that. Uh, you try to you try to sell to everybody and then you hear the feedback from the customers we would buy it from you if you have this and that this and that and then you like if you're, you usually start oh, okay so let's put there these features and then you have a bunch of features into your, in your product but no sales at the end of the day we had we had one case uh where where, where we work as uh, interim head of sales and so we had several verticals and then after three months, we look at the we look at the funnel and say, hey, we got I I don't know thirty five meetings for the meetings. That's pretty much what we expected from the yeah. time allocation we put there. But we had only six opportunities. I said, oh, that's terribly low. So we get back and say, let's let's look at it. Uh, back to the back to the ICPs we were targeting. We realized, hey. There's one ICP where we had 20 meetings and we have zero opportunities. And there's another ICP where we had uh, 12 meetings and six opportunities, uh, which resulted in free deals. And our product was just ready for that. Yeah. So so we say, okay, so let's do, do not focus on that and the other ICPs, which we had, because simply we're not product market fit and mm. focus on the ones where the conversion funnel works. If you didn't go with this logic, most of the startup would say, "Hey, so we need to, we need to." I we heard twenty times on the market that they're missing this and that, so we should develop it uh, and uh, instead of and again get delayed with the sales, whereas the product can be ready already, but just for different customer group. Yeah, yeah, and that's and, why it's so important to figure out what the problem is you're actually trying to solve in the marketplace, because until there's a problem that is identified and until a customer believes they have a problem that they want to solve and they need to solve there's no fit exactly and do they give you money for that that's it and they'll pay you <laughs> and if there is if there is a problem they have and they want to solve it and the cost of not solving it is going to be far greater than the cost to solve that then they'll basically pay whatever price now that's not being saying you're going to price gouge them or, or take advantage of them but you shouldn't be having price conversations then based on you know a sales process because it should be well you've got a problem you want to solve i've got the solution that can solve that here's the price and this is the value yep. so let's go yeah exactly exactly not trying to and have the, the, the scattergun approach <laughs> yeah and then the customer stays with you refer you another customers they're happy this uh, that's where you get the product market fit yeah so being really clear on sales playbooks being really clear on your criteria um and not and what's your because my, my take on this is you can't have because sometimes you'll have a sales playbook that might be four or five pages long it might have processes it might have key criteria and i like to think you keep it really really simple so what are what are the vital few things that 
we need to focus in on and get almost world-class at and rinse and repeat. What's okay. what's your experience on that? Um, I guess it's really a little bit more of the things, but the, so first one is uh, who are the ICPs that you target with and which are the markets that you go after? Because then like the highest chance will be for your success if you build the, exactly the team uh, serving that particular market and customer group. If you go mid-market Netherlands, then you need to get the guy who understands mid-market in Netherlands is the right fit for the mid-market Netherlands. Mm. Uh, if you go enterprise Netherlands and you take somebody from Germany who did small businesses before, it will not fly. Yeah. Uh, or it might, but with way low conversions mm. uh, comparing, comparing to build exactly the team, the special force for, for the purpose which you have. And that happens very often, this mistake that people just say, hey, we focus on the whole market, then uh, we get a whole bunch of salespeople. They're not specialized and uh, it just doesn't work. And sometimes it's better to say, hey, just cut off the four salespeople out of six yes. uh, and focus only on the top 100 companies. And those two, which you will have, get the experience one. And it's better than to have six uh, small and medium uh business uh, salespeople that will not bring you the revenue because mainly your product is not fit for that market, by the way, yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, so this is one of the things, ICP's markets, uh, which you bring them uh, or which you want to serve. Another very important is, uh, as we discussed, the, uh, the recruitment playbook or uh, the criteria specified, it could be, hey, those are just five criteria which we follow and this is must have. We have yes. another 10, which is nice to have, which we validate, but if he's missing or she's missing one of those five, we're not hiring. Yeah. Be, and be clear about it and which are which are there. And also I have specified the questions or the way how we can find it out so that it's not just based on the gut feeling. And the third <laughs> one... Yeah, it has to be worry, <laughs> Idly, yeah, because one person can tell you, I think this person is smart. The other one tells you, I think he's not smart. So <laughs> make a decision. <laughs> and the third one for me is always uh, that's where we start, sort of always from the beginning is defining the sales process in the way that is very clear to the salespeople and it guides them through the sales process. So we do that always. You have a stage one, stage two, stage three, and in between the stages, you have milestones and you have to complete the milestones to move to another stage. Yeah. So, And every salesperson knows that's exactly what I have to do in this stage. That's exactly what I have to do in this stage. Yeah. And the leader during the pipeline review or QBR or whatever way of uh, managing the sales team you have, has to ask the so you put it into the stage validate so now answer me those ten milestones which I have there, and if you don't answer them as I want in a way this is the information which I got, uh, then you move back, mm. and uh, you put it as an excellent list. I need to understand what are the decision criteria. I need to understand how the decision process is made, but the leader has to be a bit religious about it because if he is not, then. Uh, the salesperson says, ah, yeah, well, I will not ask this question. It sounds a little bit stupid. <laughs> and nobody tells me that I had to. So uh, so then it then becomes just as a random PDF, which you have somewhere, uh, somewhere uh, uh, on your table and you don't follow it at the end of the day. It's a really interesting point because I know a lot of companies um, change sales process quite often. 
thinking that the next sales process is going to be the elixir that changes everything and makes it, you know, easier for us to convert. But what you're saying is, hey, the sales process doesn't have to be onerous, but you need to be very religious in terms of what are the key elements of that sales process, which means we yeah. have to qualify not just our customers, but we actually have to qualify ourselves in terms of whether there's a fit for this customer and don't don't use the, I think we're going to be okay or I think we've got a good relationship. So as we say in Australia, she'll be right, mate, because it's not going to happen. You need to have some sort of rigorous process that as a sales leader, you can sit down and analyze and say, you know what, you're saying that this is a 10% probability or 50% probability, whatever the case might be, but there's a number of gaps here because you haven't answered yep. the questions or you haven't answered the questions with a level of certainty. So let's do some more investigation. Exactly. If you hear on the sales review, I hope, or I think, <laughs> in my opinion, it's like the trigger. Okay. Nice hypothesis. So go pick up the phone and validate it. And uh, one more thing about the sales leaders, because uh, that's also what I see very often in, in the organizations. I had a sales leader, co-founders, uh, they start pushing you and say, hey, what's your sales forecast? And, yeah. and they want you to be, uh, uh, they want you to be positive, overly positive about it. And say, yeah, so it's 300K. I say, okay, I need 400 to report it to my investors. This is very wrong thing to do. You have to create the, you have to create the uh, space uh, in the sales organization when people are honest with you. And uh, it's not about, so let's brag who is the biggest uh, macho here. But yeah. let's be honest and say, if there's if your pipeline is empty and everything is unqualified, so let's remove it. It's okay. We lost this quarter. That happens. It shouldn't, yeah. but it happened. And let's discuss. We have the clear picture of our pipeline, which is nothing so or very little. So let's discuss how we can boost the pipeline for the next quarter. And let's be honest on it and let's stick to that. It's better than having their 30 unqualified opportunities uh, where nobody picks up the phone. <laughs> you put them there just, be just because to look good uh, during the sales meeting or sales review or QBR. or <laughs> And yeah. uh, all of you know that it's not happening. It's a really interesting point because I've seen that happen lots where you've got people in senior leadership positions it might be the chief revenue officer head of sales director board member ceo whatever the case might be and they have an expectation that we have to hit a certain quota and like we we all know that's the scoreboard but there's so many sales people that will therefore put opportunities into a crm system so they can inflate the pipeline that looks great yeah for the people that are reporting on the numbers. And sometimes they make decisions on the health of the business based on what's in the pipeline. And it doesn't take too many questions to try and figure out that the vast majority of those is just vaporware. They don't exist because we heard when we're at the pub on the weekend after the rugby match, we heard that this organization was looking for this sort of widget. Oh, that's fantastic. We'll put it in there and we'll put a figure yeah. to it. I think it's about a million yeah, yeah, exactly. How good is that? Um, so what you're talking about there is as sales leaders, we've got to be really rigorous, not only to have a good playbook, have a regimented and a robust sales process that can be followed, but also as part of that, have a really rigorous qualification process to say almost, you know what, we we have to work really hard to qualify opportunities in because if they don't meet this criteria, they're out. Yep. Versus what a lot of sales teams do is they do the opposite, Right. They loosely qualify in and very 
uh, and don't have that criteria to qualify out. Exactly. And the the cost afterwards is tremendous. You do POC on the wrong clients because, or you do POC on the clients where you just spoke to one stakeholder and you wanted to sell to a huge enterprise. Nobody knows in the enterprise that is happening. It's just the person who responds to your email. Uh, then you allocate so much money into the, the discussion around it, the internal resources. It's massive. <laughs> well, the other part about that, of course, is we often have very one-dimensional relationships that there might be one person in the organization who is the, the key stakeholder, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that key stakeholder is the decision maker. They may well be just the figurehead and there's a whole host of people that we're missing out on. Therefore, the, the qualification is is not real. Absolutely. And you have to get involved in uh, several levels. Even if you're talking to CEO about selling of the uh, telco company and he said, hey, we need to buy it. If you don't convince the people under the CEO who will be using the application, they will st- still go against him. And uh, yeah, so you need to align the whole organization. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So looking forward, Jacob, what, what's your, how do you, if you look at the next 12 months to two years in, in the industries that you're operating in, what's the, what's the feeling? What's the forecast for you? Is it, is it full of optimism or because of economic circumstances going to be hard work? What's the, what's the outlook for you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there are two, two things, uh, a lot of people consider AI as a threat for the salespeople, but I, I find it as a not a great tool which will allow them to be more effective mm. uh, and they get more insights into their deals, into their sales conversations easily that you can get them even if your leader is not that great as uh, it could be. The AI could substitute that leader in certain, in certain parts. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't be worried about this one. The game will change for sure. Uh and the second one, yeah, the economic downturn, how long it will last, I don't know, <laughs> uh, despite the fact I, stu- uh, I studied economics, uh, but it, it was a uh, long time ago. Yes. Uh, but the, th- the thing is, if you right now build a sales machine and you set up the organization correctly and you will uh, you will achieve some growth uh, or... Like you're always better than the competitors. The growth is not 70. It could be 20% year over year. But then when the economic downturn ends and it, again, it kicks in, it, it kicks in, you'll be the one who will escalate and win the game because you had all the conversations. You have all, everything mastered. Everybody's going to be chaotic. Uh, like, oh, how can we process quickly this, uh, uh, this order? Mm-hmm. Or how can we get to that customer? Whereas you will have the connections everywhere already. Be prepared for that, and then it will escalate you. So, uh, is the natural uh, cleaning process of the poor sales organizations are being removed. The ones uh, will stay, uh, the the good ones, and they will get the market afterwards. Yeah, it's a good point because um, no matter what industry you look at, there are times when it's a very positive economic outlook and everybody pretty much just turns up and i use the real estate industry in australia as an example of this where when the real estate industry was really buoyant there was lots of real estate agents that were doing very well for themselves because there was such a high demand and it wasn't they didn't have to work very hard quote unquote right you always have to work hard to get a sale but it's when things become a little bit more challenging when you have to really 
work hard and add value and bring insights that the good salespeople, the good real estate salespeople come yep. out and the cream rises to the top. And they're the ones that, you know, have the robust process, who know how to qualify, who are there to serve customers, who are not there for the short-term sugar hit. They're there for the long-term value-add relationship. They're the ones that ultimately will ride the crest of the right wave when it's when it when it when it comes because everybody else will be sort of moving out. They'll they'll be looking for the next shiny thing to go and work on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So from a sales leader's point of view then as we as we kind of wrap up, what's what's some um key points of advice based on your experience for sales leaders in any size organization when it comes to looking at the next 12 to 24 months? Because you already mentioned AI and how that might um actually be a, a complement to what we can do as sales, but anything else top of mind that you'd be giving advice to your sales leaders? Yeah, well, like right now, uh, I would, uh, not to repeat myself, would be uh, look at where you put your focus and uh, really focus on the things uh, because right now uh, you cannot afford to develop the things uh, which are not bringing the results or be too uh, trying to play 10 games. You have to really focus and narrow it down on on the games where we can win, yeah. and have the team for that. And do not hesitate to change the way how you are selling, uh, because listen, uh, a year ago we had uh, very nice conversions, the way of selling what we did, uh, so uh, short sell cycles, but uh, it stopped working after the crisis hit, and we. And we started. We saw how how it was going down. The success rate still decent, but it was going down. And so we said and say, how what what were the reason? What do we need to change? And we said we have to be better about the uh, dollarization of our business. How much money we we go the uh, we bring to the customers. The customers are more hesitant to spend money, so we need to guide them better through the journey. Create the business cases with them, uh, which before that uh, we were not doing in all of the cases. Now we say in every bloody case which we have, we need to bring the business case that we actually bring you money, so it's not wasting for you. Yeah. And again, so we see it's like going up again. Yeah. Which, which is which is what I'm hearing you saying you, you had to become and, and continue to be really trusted advisors. Now, a lot of people use that term. They just throw that term out. Oh, yeah, we're a trusted advisor, but but really becoming part of that organization's DNA and seeing things from inside so you're actually bringing tangible value that yep. you're not going to be a fly-by-night organization just to get the sugar hit and sell some stuff and bugger off with your commission. You're here for the long term. Because one of the things I say to sales teams a lot is the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made because that's where you actually make your money. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that's Love true. it. Love it. So, Jacob, hey, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, love the work that you're doing over in the uh, in the Netherlands. It's been a, been a pleasure having you on to the podcast and um, we'll have to do it again sometime, mate. And I've got to say the internet held up beautifully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Doran, very much for this uh, for this interview. I also enjoyed it a lot, and happy right, to mate. join for another podcast. Awesome, we'll certainly set that up. Good on you, mate. Have a uh, have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Peace, mate. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar. Go to leadwithdarren.com 
and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.